Hey guys, this is Drake. Thanks so much for tuning in to our City Church podcast here. It's an honor to have you. Hey, at the end of this episode, we'd love for you to take a moment, subscribe to this podcast channel if you haven't already. Also subscribe to our YouTube channel so we can continue to serve you with content that we're putting out on a weekly basis. And in addition, if we can serve you in any way or connect with you in community in any way, you can visit our website at citychurchboulder.com and we would love to connect with you there. And lastly and most importantly, I hope this content is helpful to you. It's encouraging, it's inspiring, and you leave better than you showed up. Enjoy. Hey guys, welcome to City Church Online. So glad you're tuning in with us today. It's an honor to have you here. Hey, if you're a guest with us, I want you to know that we're so pumped to have you here. You are loved, safe, and welcome in this community, and we would love to hear from you. You can use that digital connection card and the buttons that are popping up, or you can text to the numbers on the screen, and we would love to connect with you and help you take some next steps. If you're engaging with us on that Church Online platform or on Facebook Live, we'd love to hear from you in those chats as well. So let us know where you're watching from and uh, maybe what you had for breakfast this week or uh, if you have any afternoon plans, we'd love to hear from you there uh, and connect in whatever way we can in this digital season. Now, super excited for some things coming up. I have some really exciting announcements. The first one is this, that tomorrow morning... We start our 21 days of prayer and fasting. And so we talked about it a little bit last week, but you can also use that connection card by texting in or filling it out digitally on our website, and we would be happy to get this to you. You can order this book, hard copy. It's a little small devotional that you're going to walk through for 21 days. We'll, we'll be able to engage in that together. It's super short and sweet, but it's so powerful and encouraging. And so we'd love for you to either buy that book or you can let us know through those connection cards and we'll send you a digital PDF copy of that book and you can engage and follow along with us. In addition, if you need uh, some instructions and encouragement on what we're fasting from, when we're fasting from things, what all that's going to look like, you can follow along on all of our social media pages where we're going to be updating that, but you can also reach out uh, through those connection cards and we're going to let you know and send you the resources that you need to engage. So I realize this might be new for some of you. Maybe you've never fasted and prayed before. We're going to make it as simple and bottom shelf as possible so you can be a part of growing closer in your relationship with God and seeing God work in and through you in the world around you. And now, here's what's really, really cool is tonight we have the kickoff of our three consecutive weeks of our nights of worship and prayer unplugged. Man, they're going to be so awesome. They're outside. They're safe and socially distanced. We have these really cool name tags so, so that you can kind of let people know your preferences of, hey, this is my name, but I also um, am going to say six feet socially distanced with my mask on. And, and so we have really, really helpful things in place to create a safe environment, but also an opportunity to connect to community and pray together and worship together. It's going to be awesome. So you're invited. We'd love to see you tonight at 7 p.m. at the City Church property. Invite your friends, invite your neighbors. It's going to be awesome. In addition, we have our new city group semester kicking off soon. Our city groups are uh, taking a break at the end of the summer, and they're going to kick back off at the beginning of September, and they're a great way to connect and stay connected. And so if you're already a part of a city group, then awesome. Can't wait to see you again in this new semester. If you have not joined one yet, or you're interested in connecting in community at that level, then we would love to help you use that number on the screen or that digital connection card, and we would love to help you get connected in one of our city groups that meets throughout the week in homes to connect in community, to grow together, and to serve together. Now, super excited excited for our conversation today. We've been in this series out of the book of Colossians, and it's been really, really challenging, really, really encouraging. And today I'm doing something unique. And so I'm actually going to walk you through the very end of the letter because I have two of my friends 
uh, Seth and a guy named Matt Patrick are going to meet them in two weeks. They're going to speak on, on a chunk of text in the middle of chapter 3 that I invited them because I, I believe they're going to speak really, really well into those things for you and I. And so they're going to speak the following two weeks. I'm going to wrap up the letter today, and then they're going to come back on two topical uh, uh, messages that are going to be really, really helpful out of chapter 3. And so as I wrap it up, and as Paul wraps up this letter again, I need you to understand that the context of, of this uh, book that we're walking through is a letter, meaning it's relational, right? It's not, it's not like a job description. It's not um, an instruction manual. It's a letter from a guy named Paul who's in prison, and he's writing to uh, a church, a little baby church, kind of like City Church, just a new church with lots of life and lots of energy, no real core problems. That not, There's not things falling apart. The wheels aren't falling off. They don't have crazy heresy and, and lots of conflict. I and mean, there's a healthy, growing church, and he's writing to encourage them. And he's in prison as he writes for his faith in Jesus. And so before I give you the context of the ending of this verse, I want you to answer the question, life is all about what? Life is all about, like if you were going to answer that question, what would you say the life is all about? You see, we're in a season where we're um, every value that we have, all of our priorities, like, like everything's being tested. COVID shut a lot of stuff down and we're in our homes a lot and jobs are changing and there's just a lot of things moving around where I'm curious to know like what's the priority in your life in this season? And, and we're also in a unique season where, season where issues uh, are, are circulating around isolation and equality and disasters are happening around the world and the, the economy is struggling and the school system is, is, is uh, doing all kinds of different things and parents are trying to figure out what they're doing with their kids. I mean, there's a lot happening. You guys with me? And so then in the middle of all that, like, what's the priority? I was thinking about it. Like, what's going to matter five years from now? Like, out of this season, when we're looking back, what's going to matter? What, what, what would we say? I mean, I wish I would have spent my time, energy, and resources on that. And other than stock and toilet paper, like, what would it be, right? Like, what should we have been investing in? And I would like to propose, I don't know how you would answer this question, but I would like to propose that life is all about people. It's all about people. That's the message today, by the way. If you're taking notes, it's all about people. People And some of you might, well, I thought it was about God. Listen, it, it's about God because God is all about people. And it's about people because God is all about people. Jesus said, hey, you love God and people and everything else is going to work out. And, and so on the present reality, assuming that the, the relationship with God is operating in the background, okay, life in front of us, what we can see is all about people. And I want you to think about this. Paul is writing to a, a brand new church, and every church that has ever existed in the history of humanity since Jesus rose from the grave uh, started out with a group of people that got together and said, hey, you know what? We're going to do this thing. And, and it started with a, with a call from God and a group of people that committed to being a part of starting something new and fresh. And, and in the same way that Paul is writing to a group of people, it's like he's writing to us as well. And City Church has the same beginning. A group of people got together with a vision and a heart to help people find their way to God from where they are, to be a church in the city and for the city. And, and it's this amazing, amazing community that the church is only the church when we recognize that it's people. And the Colossians, man, they were a healthy church. They, they didn't have conflict and drama. And, and it's a lot like City Church, man. You're, you're loving and kind and sacrificial and amazing people. And so Paul, at the end of his letter, he's going to write in light of that reality that, that this is all about people, that life is all about people, people like you and people like me and people like he's going to talk about in the context here. And so you're actually going to meet a few people today that Paul would have known personally, and, and they're going to be like you. And he's going to give some final instructions and encouragement to this baby church 
as they continue to grow and love and serve the world around them, making Jesus known, making the love of Jesus known, and being encouraged in the relationship that they have inside their community. And so as we kick it off, I'm going to give you um, the the verses, I I think, is what we're going to kick off with first, right? Verse 2. This is Colossians chapter 4, verse 2. And he kicks it off just uh, uh, really, really helpful with some encouragement. He says, hey, so in in light of all the instructions he he just got done giving in light of relationships, okay, in light of healthy relationships, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving, and at the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word, that is sharing Jesus with others, with others to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I'm in prison. Paul's just reminding them, hey, I'm in prison because I'm making Jesus known around the world. And he says, that I might, that I might make it clear which is how I ought to speak. And he goes on to say in verse 5, um, he says, continue to walk in wisdom toward outsiders, that's, that's people who are not inside the family of God yet, people who are not followers of Jesus, making the best use of the time. How's that going? How's the, uh, the Netflix binge going and the Disney Plus binge going and whatever else we're wasting our time on? He's saying, making the best use of the time. Let your speech, the way that you talk, always be gracious, seasoned with salt, little flavor flav, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person in light of them asking, hey, why do you love and serve and live the way that you do? Okay, so this is the text that we're going to kick it off with, and I want you to know that Paul gives us four legs for stability out of this text. And so I'm going to give you those on the screen, and we'll revisit them. But I want you to think about four legs of stability um, as we have this conversation. And the first one is going to be prayer. He mentioned it there. It's going to be prayerful. But I want you to think about a stool, okay? Um, I'll flip it around so you can see the legs. Um, so this, this stool has four legs, and they add stability. And what he's saying is, hey, if you're going to continue to grow and love and serve and be on mission and be family and be community and not get stuck as an inwardly focused, slowly dying church, but being a life-giving, radically generous, consistently transparent, relationally invested, outwardly focused, you see what I did there? Church, like if you're going to do those things, hey, we have four values and there's four legs. I could have done a whole other message and I missed it. It's okay. We're going to keep going. All right, so you got a, you got a, a stool here, right? And it's, I'm going to put it down here and you can't see it but then I'm going to sit on it, which you also can't see, but we're going to pretend like you can, okay? And so the stool gives stability. Does that make sense? It's four legs that allow you to be stable in life. And so he's going to give us four things that allow us to have stability moving forward in our relationship with Jesus. Now, if you're not a follower of Jesus and you're tuning in, what I hope that you're going to be encouraged by today is that that there's some inspiration attached to the overflow of what what kind of relationship Jesus invites us into. That we're not invited into a stale religion, but rather a life-giving relationship uh, of Jesus doing something in us that overflows out of us. And so uh, I don't know where you're tuning in, but man, I just want to encourage you, lean in and evaluate what it is that you think Jesus invites you into and what it is that we actually see here in the conversation. So the first thing is being prayerful, being prayerful. And I don't know what you know about prayer, what you believe about prayer, what, like what you, your experience is in prayer, but for most people, this is a, it's, a, it's like a daunting conversation because uh, a prayer seems intimidating at times. And, and so let me, let me put it as bottom shelf as I can for you, okay? Um, and this is, can I just be transparent? This is one of those spiritual disciplines that, I go back and forth in. Like, like sometimes my, my prayer life is like just really, really 
life-giving and consistent. Other times it's really stale um, and, and inconsistent. Um, and I would attribute it to what I'm about to tell you. And it's because I lose focus of this one central reality of prayer. And that is that prayer is simply talking to your dad. That's it. Over and over again, Jesus would help us understand that God is our father. And he's a good dad who loves us. And so when Paul says, hey, you need to be prayerful and continue to engage in prayer, he said, hey, keep talking to your dad. And I want you to think about it. Just, just like put your mind and heart with me in, in this moment. If you have a dad, if you have a father who is all-knowing, all-powerful, all-present, all-capable, all-forgiving, and, and completely inclined, his heart is inclined toward you, and he loves you, what are you going to talk to him about? Everything, right? Like, I'm, I'm going to talk to dad about everything. Dad, hey, dad, I had a great day. Let me tell you about it. Here's what happened. Oh, dad, I did not have a great day. Let me tell you about it. Here's what happened. And, and so, right, if you have a good relationship with your dad, then, then you don't have to worry about the content of the conversation. You just talk. Does this make sense? And this is where my heart gets stuck and my mind gets stuck. Sometimes I treat prayer like a formula and like this really you know, formal kind of stuffy thing, and that's just something my mind and my heart does, but then when I can get it back into the relational context, I'm like, I don't have to, like, have a fancy list that I show up and make sure that it's nice and formal. I can just talk to God about what's going on in my life, and guys, listen, there's always something to talk to Dad about. That's Paul's point. Hey, always be prayerful. Why? Because there's always something to talk about. If there's something you're worried about, let him know. Ask him for help. If there's something you're stressed out about, let him know. Ask him for help. If there's something that you're broken over, let him know and ask him to heal your heart. If there's is there someone that, that you're personally worried about? Hey, let them know and pray for them. Is, is there something that you're thankful for? Take a moment. Let them know. Say thank you. I mean, and there's just so many things that we can pray about if we remember it in the context of relationship. Now, let me say this. If, if prayer is all you have, prayer is all you need. It, it, if all you have is prayer, prayer is all that you need. There have been seasons in this journey of planting City Church where Danielle and I have been um, evaluating, like, are we know God called us here, um, and it's been lonelier at times than others. It's been more difficult at times than others. It's been scarier at times than others. There's times when I thought something would turn out one way and it hit rock bottoms, and, and, and there would be just multiple highs and lows throughout this journey. And there was a season last summer where... where um, I was more discouraged than I've ever been in, in my personal faith journey up to that point. And all I knew to do was go pray. And at that point in time, I didn't have like a really consistent, good, like, like moving prayer life. And so I'm like, I don't even know like what this needs to look like, but I'm going to, I've got to do something. And, and, and so prayer is all I've got. And I want you to know that God did in that season something in me that that. I'd never experienced before, and it keeps me hungry to keep going back since then. And that is because in that season, I discovered that if all I have is prayer, prayer is all that I need. And let me say this about prayer. Prayer is powerful not because prayer is powerful, but because of the object of our prayer. That, that, that when I, or, or the, the person I'm talking to <laughs> is the reason that prayer has power. Prayer has power because God is powerful. And so I go to God because he's a good dad who loves me and he's interested in what's going on. But I don't, I don't put my faith in prayer. I put my faith in the one that I'm talking to. And prayer is just the channel, the mode, the method 
of communication. And let me remind you of this. God doesn't need your prayers, and he doesn't need my prayers. We need our prayers, okay? We need God. We need to talk to Dad. And he loves us, and he cares for us, and he wants us to engage. Does this make sense? And so he says, hey, be prayerful. And you want a stable, growing, consistent, loving life, be prayerful. Number two, check it out. He says, be watchful. That's the second word that he used, be watchful. This is literally looking for opportunities. Open your eyes. You ever been not paying attention and run, in, run into something inanimate? I can remember when I was riding my bike as like a 12-year-old, and I, I, I think I was with my friends, and we were going down the street, and I think I was looking to the side or behind me or, you know, what, whatever. We're just being silly teenagers, and we're cruising down the street, and I ran straight into the back of a parked car with my bicycle. I mean, just laid me out flat up against the back of a car. And I'm like, did you guys see that car pull out in front of me? Right? Like, oh my goodness, what would happen? I wasn't being watchful. He's saying, be watchful. It's looking for opportunities. And so uh, th- this is very simply an encouragement to look and see what God is up to. Like, what is God doing? The, the Christian life is just an invitation to be a part of what God is already doing. Planting City Church was an invitation to be a part of what God was already doing in Boulder. If you're part of this community, we're invited to be a part of what God is already doing. But if we are busy and blind to what's going on around us, we're missing consistent opportunities. So let me ask you the question. What, what is God doing around you? Who is in front of you. That's one of the key ways to know what God's doing around you is who is in front of you to love and to serve and to care for. Like, like what, what are the relationships that God is putting around you? What are the ones that have stayed? What are the new ones at your, at your work or your neighbors? Or like, like, what is God doing around you? Let, let me say this. Um, you might not know this, but I'm going to give you the stat. If, uh, if you live in Boulder right now, one in 10 people living in Boulder currently moved here in the last year. One in 10 people moved to Boulder here in the last year when it comes to meeting people. And so I want you to understand, our community is really unique. Um, we, we, we live in one of the most beautiful, amazing places to engage and live and work and play. It's awesome, and there's lots of activity in Boulder, but there's not a lot of community. We ran data stats on our city when we first moved here, and one of the largest felt needs in our immediate community, the 110 to 20,000 people that call Boulder home, the, one of the top needs out of the three was loneliness and a need for community. The issue of being alone. Because we have new transplants and new people moving here all the time and a constant turnover and, and because there's so much, thing, there's a lot to do but a not, of, a not a lot of initiation and opportunity for community, this is where God is working and inviting you to, to be the person that loves and serves those around you. And I want you to know, guys, COVID has only amplified this, right? You know that, right? COVID has only amplified the feelings of isolation and loneliness that our city already has identified as a felt need and experience. So you're like, well, how, how can I help? How can I be watchful? Like, what can I do? I'm not, I'm not you, Drake. I'm not an extrovert. I don't, you know, make friends with, with just random strangers that I meet. No, no, listen, listen. Can you lift a box? Because, like, if you can lift a box, man, then, then you can love like Jesus, right? Like, if one of your neighbors is moving, you offer to move. You're one of the most amazing people on the planet. You help a neighbor move, right? Can you make cookies? Like, if you can't make cookies, don't make them and go take your neighbor nasty cookies. That's not okay. But if you can make cookies, make some cookies and go meet your new neighbor. Man, Danielle and I just recently, man, we went over to, to our, 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 our neighbor's house who live like two streets down. We saw they just moved in and we haven't met them. And social distancing, we like across the street waved at them like, hey, we're your neighbors. And they're like, what? I'm like, we're your 
hold on, we'll bring signs next time, right? Like it was, a, it was kind of a moment, but uh, we're unsure if bringing cookies is the safe thing to do yet. People are kind of freaked out. But, you know, whatever it is, like, man, just engaging and looking for those opportunities. You know what? Like some people go and hide behind the clickers in their garage doors, and so sometimes you got to be strategic, right? Like you might, like, you know, watch out the window and, like, wait for your neighbor to take their trash out, and then you grab your trash can, and you run out there to take your trash out at the same time. Okay, maybe that's a little weird, but, you know, like just being watchful, looking for opportunities. You run into a neighbor at the mailbox, and you just say hi, right? Uh, you're intentional in looking for those relationships. Let me, let me, dude, this happened this week, okay? This is crazy. I was walking back from my car to my house. I have no agenda. I'm tired. It's been a long day. My, one of my neighbors is walking the other way, and I just say hi, and, and how's your day going? Oh, it's great. We're about to go uh, do some paddle boarding. Awesome. Where are you guys going? And we're just walking past each other. We're not trying to, like, have any agenda. Oh, we're going over here, and I'm about to run to the store to go buy my daughter uh, just a floaty because uh, we only have one paddle board, and so you know, and she's just telling me what they're going to do. And I'm like, oh, well, like, I literally have a five-foot piece of pizza floaty in my garage right now. Do you want it? Like, no joke. This is the conversation that we had. Like, hey, I have a giant slice of pizza inflatable pool floaty in my garage that you can use if you want it. She's like, seriously? And I'm like, I know that's a really weird thing to have in your garage. I just happen to have a giant slice of pizza inflated and ready to go in my garage right now if you guys want to use it. She's like, I mean, that would save me a trip to the store. That would be awesome. I mean, we're not best friends, by the way. These are like just casual neighbors I see every now and then. And then so she walks down to my garage, and I hand her a giant slice of inflated pizza to take to the lake with her and her daughter. I mean, you talk about just a moment of engaging. Like, it was so crazy. And so it's just being watchful, looking for the opportunities, like stock your garage with slices of pizza, I guess, or do something, right, looking for those opportunities. Okay, we'll go on. Um, the, the, the third thing he says is be thankful. Be thankful. Thankful. Now, I need you to understand, who, who's writing this? Paul, the dude in prison, is writing to this thriving church, be thankful, <laughs> okay? So I don't know about you, but like, that's probably not on my top priority list of things that I'm going to say uh, are going on in my life if I'm in prison. But Paul is leading the way because there's so much to be thankful for. If you're a follower of Jesus, there's a hope not only in this life, but in the life to come. He says, hey, like, like be encouraged and be thankful. And, 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 and I, want, I want to remind you, right, like in life there's always two tracks. It's not just good and bad. It's not just highs and lows, but it's always simultaneously good and bad things happening throughout this life. And so, so what Paul is elevating is, hey, pay attention to the good track. Like there's always things happening that, that are not maybe going to go your way. There's also always a good track. God is always doing things. And even if you can't see it in the moment, all you got to do is look just barely behind you and say, man, God, thank you for that. And thank you for this. And thank you for that. And, and so uh, w- one of the things that the human human soul needs, right? Like, like in order for us to live, we need food, water, air, shelter. Those are important things. But I would like to propose that one of the additional things that the human soul, heart, mind, body needs is hope. Hope. And when you cultivate thankfulness, it breeds hope into your heart, into your life. And so when you look for God's provision and you look for God's hand in your life and you just say thank, thank you for those things, it, it cultivates a level of hope and, and gives you Fresh eyes and fresh life when it comes to loving and serving others, okay? So he says, hey, make sure you're being thankful. And the last thing he says is make sure that you're being relational. Relational. That, that, and he uses language of like, hey, make sure that your language is, is like seasoned with salt and gracious. Like, like that you're adding life to those around you and you're filling them up. I, I heard an analogy recently of like... Um, you know, a, a balloon that only has regular air in it, it, like no matter how many times you smack it, it still falls back to the ground. 
right? Like, like over and over again, you got to smack it. And sometimes like you feel like all you're doing is smacking people around, trying to keep them up in the air. But if you fill them with the right stuff, right, you fill a balloon with helium and then it stays up on its own. And so when it comes to the investments, like what kind of investments we make in others matters, right? You can just try to smack some people around, I suppose, and see if it encourages them. But if you invest the right stuff, you might find that they start to lift on their own. And so in the same way that God has loved you and poured into you, you can love and serve and encourage others, and it begins to lift them in a different way, being relational. And so, so here's the deal, guys. Here's what that means. And, and he, what he's saying is, as a follower of Jesus, you have a responsibility to be the person in your community, in your circles of influence, where you live, work, and play to initiate. And listen, this is not a personality conversation. This is regardless of whether you're an introvert or an extrovert. Listen to me. Whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, you're a Christian. Therefore, you must initiate relationships with those around you. You must love. You must serve. You must engage because the love of God compels you to because God loves you and God loves people. And you must allow the love of God to work in and through you to love what he loves. Say, why? Why? Because people matter to God. And you know this. Man, guys, City Church, you guys are so, so good at this. But don't let COVID, don't let isolation, don't let busyness, don't let distraction get in the way of the need to invest in the world around you. Why? Because Jesus came to us. We didn't have to go to him. He came all the way to us. And if Jesus came from heaven to earth to get to us, then we can go across the street. We can go across the, the Zoom call, I guess, because you're probably not in the office. We can, we can engage in the people around us. And so, guys, you got to remember, in this culture, in this context, the world that we live in right now, lots of people use people. Very few people love people. But you have something that maybe others don't. And so don't be afraid, but rather engage in those around you and love and serve them well. Look for opportunities. Be relational. Now, let me show you how he ends this text. This is crazy, okay? So I'm going to fly through these verses as he ends the letter. You ready? Here we go. Take a big breath because this can be fast. <gasps> all right, he goes on. Lots of names. Tychicus will tell you all about my activities. Again, this is wrapping up the letter. He's a beloved brother and a faithful minister and a fellow servant in the Lord. I have sent him to you for this very purpose that you might know how we are and that we could, we could encourage your hearts. And with him, Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother, who is, of one, uh, who, who is one of you, they will tell you of everything that has taken place here. He goes on in verse 10, and he says... Um, Aristarchus, my, my fellow prisoner, he greets you, and Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, concerning whom you have received instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him. And Jesus, who is called Justice, because that was confusing and people didn't, like, couldn't call that guy Jesus. And then th these are the only men uh, um, of the circumcision among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God, and they have been comforting to me. He goes on in verse 12, and he says, Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ, uh, he greets you, always struggling on your behalf in his prayers, that you might stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. For I bear him witness that he has worked hard for you and for those in Laodicea and 
Hierapolis. And, and Luke, the beloved physician, he greets you as does Demas. Give my greetings to the brothers of Laodicea and to Nympha and the church that meets in her home. He goes on in verse 16 and he says, And when this letter has been read among you, have it also read in the church of Laod the, the Laodiceans and see that you also read the letters from Laodicea. And say to Archippus, see that you fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord. How'd you like to get called out in like a letter? Like just there with that one dude, okay? And then he says, I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hands. Very personal. Remember my chains, grace be with you. Woo, that was a lot. You ready? I'm going to preach on every word. No, it, just a really, really big picture. What, what was it about? It was all names. You know, you know why that matters? Because people matter. They're all people, and people matter to God. Paul takes the entire tail end of this letter, and he says, hey, look at all of these people and all the relationships and all that God is doing through this community. And it's all to make the very, very simple, large point. People matter to God. Come on. Now, listen, I need you to get it. This is the tail end of the book, the first two chapters of Colossians. What was it? It was very heavy. It was very theological. It was very, very up here belief. And, and, and so it was really, really important. He did some groundwork. But the last two chapters of the Colossians, what, what was it about? It was heavy relationships, lots of relational, practical, here's how to love the people in front of you, names and names and names and names. And so you have this divide down the book of Colossians, highly theological and highly relational. Let me tell you this, guys. I need you to, I need you to hear me on this, okay? The proof, the proof that your theology is on point, that your belief of God, what you know and what you think about God, the proof that your theology is on point is if you have people that you can point to that you are serving, loving, and sacrificing for. Come on, I'm about to come out of my shoes over here. Listen, if you can give me a list of all the things that you know about God and you can't give me a list of all the people that God has put in your path, you are missing it big time. It's all about people. You guys with me? Woo, come on, somebody. All right, now listen. Intimacy with dad, our relationship with our father, results in loving what he loves. Intimacy with dad results in loving what he loves. So I'm going to put some action steps on the screen for you, and Daniel's going to come up and play for us. And uh, um, I want you to reflect for a minute on on some of the, the things we've been talking about, okay? Super practical, super down. I, I hope it's really, really helpful for you, okay? My first thing is this. How are you going to cultivate prayer this week in your own life, and who's going to help you? Who, who's going to be a part of that accountability system? Who, who are you going to go prayer walk with? Or who's going to text you in the morning when you start to pray? Who's going to hold you accountable? How are you going to cultivate talking to dad this week? And who's going to help? I need you to wrestle with that. I need you to make it a priority. I need you to make sure that your life is stable when it comes to that conversation. Number two, what opportunities, right, being watchful, what opportunities where you live, where you work, and where you play, what opportunities did you need to look for this week? Where have you been so busy and, 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 and so tired and so distracted that you've just turned a, a blind eye to the opportunities that are right in front of you? What ways do you need to go out of your way to engage in a relationship? And here's what I want you to do. Make a list. Do it right now. 
Do it in your city group. Do it in a, I don't care when you do it. Do it on your phone. Do it on a piece of paper. Write it on your arm. Make a list of all the people that God has put in your path. Guys, I do this all the time. So I can remember, so I can reflect, so I can look for opportunities. Make a list of all the people that God has put in your path where you live, work, and play. Pray for them. And then look for opportunities to love, serve, and encourage them. And here's what you're going to (laughs) find. When you make a list, and when you start talking to dad about the people that he loves, and you start looking for opportunities, and you start praying for opportunities, you know what's going to happen? You're going to find a whole lot of opportunities to love, serve, and encourage others. Guys, listen, we are the church. We don't exist for ourselves. We exist for the world around us. And weekend services might not be happening in person in our building, but that didn't stop what Jesus is doing in and through you and in and through me. And I'm telling you, Boulder will never be the same because of the love working in and through you this week and next week and next month because life is all about people and we're not going to regret making those investments now some of you guys listen i realize that you might be tuning in and you're not a follower of jesus and you're evaluating faith and some of you have never experienced faith like like this before You've seen inconsistent, you've seen unloving, you've seen unkind, you've seen hateful, you've seen weird, you've seen religious, you've seen confusing, you've seen burdensome expressions of faith. But guys, I'm telling you, Jesus didn't come to bring those expressions of faith. You see, the love of God is so incredible that once you get it, you can't help but share it. These are not things that you do to make God love you. These are things that you do because you are loved. And this is how we change the world, friends. But if you're not a follower of Jesus and you're tuning in with us, I want you to understand and I want you to know that you were invited to receive the gift of new life, to receive forgiveness to be adopted into the family of God. You're invited to trust in Jesus that what he did on the cross when he was buried and he rose again, what he did for you in your place was completely enough to save you and set you free and to make you right with God. He did it for me. He'll do it for you. And you're invited to receive that gift before you do anything for him. And what he does in you is so incredible that it just can't help but come out of you. So if you've never said yes to Jesus, friends, can I encourage you to to say yes for the first time today? Would you just say yes, Jesus, I need you. I believe in you. I want to follow you. Please forgive me and make me right with you. Let me pray for you. God, thank you so much for our time. Thank you for your love for us. Thank you for sending Jesus to die for us. Thank you for rising again and giving us new life and new power. Thank you for adopting us into the family of God so that we can talk to you like a good dad who loves us. Thank you for the encouragement of having a stable life, of having intimacy with you that overflows into the the way that we love in the world around us, that we can talk to you and we can be watchful and we can look for opportunities and we can overflow with gratitude because you're doing so much in and around and through our lives. 
And God, we can be relational because, uh, man, there's so many people who don't have relationships and they don't have community. And so I pray right now that you put the deep-seated vision in our hearts that no matter what the expressions of our church look like in this next season, that we have the capacity through your power and through this community to be the most life-giving expression of community that Boulder has to offer. Not because of anything that we have in and of ourselves, but because of what you're doing in and through us. And God, I pray that for every person sitting on the other side of this conversation, that they would be reminded that they are loved. They are deeply, deeply loved. Not for what they do, but for who they are. The life is all about people, them included. But one of the greatest joys is making our lives about other people as well. And as a result, reflecting you and your love for us. It's in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, guys.